welcome to the Dead Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney. I'm Laurie Eves. And I'm Hannah Hutzpah. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community. Each month we'll be bringing you interviews, tips, inspiration and above all awesome poetry from the spoken word scene. We'll also be telling you what's on and where you can submit your work. This month we'll be interviewing Pete, the temp bearder. And there will be no poem of the month this month because none of us have been to any events. But we will be bringing that section back next month. And we'll be giving you a sneak preview of our book review episode where we'll be chatting about Kanto and other poems by Joelle Taylor. And that will be out later in the month. But first, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Back to the mic. So, um, have you guys, I don't know that I've actually been to any poetry events since the last time we sat down Mm -hmm. to record. Um, I think Hannah has been at something particularly special, haven't you, Hannah? Or a couple of things, even. One and a one and a half. Um, so <laughs> it's half special. <laughs> one was special. One so, was not so special. Wow. Half wait, wait. special. Half a special thing. Are we really going to spend the first five minutes of the podcast in the new year slagging off a night that Hannah went to that she no, didn't enjoy? No, 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 no. What I mean is, on the half special front, um, I was booked to be on the same bill as Michael Rosen towards the end of last year. Yeah. That was paused because Omronicon variants. So that is no. hopefully being rescheduled soon. And I'm currently talking to the promoter about how much... Oh, and I'm free anytime, but I really would love to definitely be on the bill as Michael, same bill as Michael Rosen. That is that is definitely... Um, oh, man. So yeah, that 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 didn't happen. Although the, the brag is still there. The poster exists. Um, but no, I've, uh, that's, that didn't, okay, that didn't it go does. ahead yet. Um, and also there was the Waltham Forest Poetry Competition. Guess which London borough I live in? Mm-hmm. Um which was judged by Joelle Taylor, and I was commended in the adults who are local section, um, which... Woo! Nice. Um, which, she's local, she's an adult, and she's good. She's, she is good. Poetry. or fifth best of the local adults. She's commended. Um, but it was, it was a... I'd say you were probably the second best yeah, priest. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was that kind of category, <laughs> but to be in a room above a pub with... Funnily enough, a hell of a lot of queer people submitted to the competition where no. Taylor was a judge, and it was it was a lovely, lovely night. Um, so yeah, and got a copy of Kanto and other poems, which may be turning up mm-hmm. later. Ooh. My one sign. Your one sign. Yeah. Yeah. What have people been doing poetry-wise otherwise? Has anyone been writing anything? Yeah, Laurie, have you, have you done anything? No, Ooh, I've yes. got plenty of new books over Christmas, um, which I'm excited to read, but haven't really sunk my teeth into them yet, if I'm honest. Other than new books, not really very much, to be honest with you. Um, how about you, Rebecca, anything? No, not really. Uh, Writing-wise, I don't I don't know if other people are finding this, if it's just me or if anybody else has ever been here, where I kind of, I have an idea for a poem and I kind of, I get to the jotting down the the ideas phase and then, and then I kind of go, like, I, I don't know where to take it from there, to take it from just kind of a bunch of ideas with a kernel of something mm-hmm. I like into an actual poem, which, mm-hmm. you know, I used to be good at. I used to be able to do that because I've written poems and that's how poems happen. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think I don't think I've ever been somebody that's just written it all out and gone, ah, this will mm. do. Um, but yeah, for some reason I'm having not a writer's block, but like a, a mid-writing Ooh, process block at the moment. Um, don't know what's going on there. But. That probably leads us into 
a small mm. discussion since it is our first um, recording of mm. the year on writing resolutions. Mm. We think we did this last year and I can't remember what we actually oh. set ourselves as our resolutions. We need to start writing yeah. these down. So um, I am going to say right here, right now for accountability, I think I might have talked about this in previous years. I don't know if I actually set it as a revolution. Revolution. Revolution, <laughs> resolution. Anyway, um, a revolution in my poetry writing. Um, no, spoilers. I probably did say it, but I'm going to actually mm. do it this year. I'm aiming for 120 um, uh, rejections. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. So I quite, I, 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 apologies. I can't remember who I got this from originally. So apologies to whoever it was that that, that, uh, that originally gave me this idea because it's definitely not Cooney original. But um, if Cooney you Cooney original, a Cooney original, uh, melts in your not... mouth like a Werther's. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so basically the idea is you try and accumulate as many um, rejections as possible during the year and just make it a bit of a game. So it's but it's less hard on yourself when you don't do well, mm -hmm. but also it makes you sign up for things. And the more you sign up for things, the more chance you have of getting accepted. That so we'll really see. Good. That's How many did you get last year? I don't think very many. I didn't do much <laughs> last year. So. Fair enough. Me yeah. neither. Probably more than me. Yeah. So I'm aiming for one every three days is 120. Oh, that's a lot of... <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of rejections. I was trying to do the maths. I know, right? <laughs> Shoot. Oh god, there must be some that like just don't reply, and you're like, "Come on, you fucker!" Come December, you'll be. Oh, like, I'm counting okay. that. I, I'm you're counting have... no response as a as a rejection, okay? As, as a resounding okay, rejection, enough. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. But yes, that's that's my resolution writing wise. How about you guys? Hmm. I am currently doing a giant think about how to how to up my game, and I haven't worked out what that looks like yet. Um, uh, what I am trying to do is... So just be better. <laughs> um, what I am trying to do is get a bit more organised in, for example, making a spreadsheet like I do when I'm job hunting. Like, organised by date <laughs> for submitting more things and looking out for more kind of mentoring type opportunities as well. I think the poetry world does kind of... There's, if you haven't yet been published, there's a certain number of things. If you're under 25, there's a certain number of things. And then mid-career, there are far less obvious mm. opportunities. And so I'm, yeah, I'm trying to be a mm -hmm. bit more structured and organised about improving, but I'm still figuring out what that looks like. <laughs> um, so it's not really a resolution, but there is there is some energy and oomph in there, I promise. <laughs> and there might be a resolution yeah. later. January oomph is good. Ja January oomph mm. is good. Cool. Laurie? Um, I recently watched a film. I know, shocker. I don't really do that all that much. But I did watch a film. I watched Tick, Tick, Boom, Ooh, which I don't yeah, know yeah. if you guys have watched yeah. yet. The, is that any good? Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I know Hannah has previously ranted to me about Jonathan Larson um, in several I, ways. Yeah, um, I love... Regular listeners might remember. Yeah, I love Lin-Manuel Miranda and I fucking hated Rent. So I did not know what I was going to make of it, but I did think it was really good. I you did enjoy it. Okay, cool. I, I enjoyed it as well. I thought it was interesting and I think it had some problems for me. It wasn't 100% perfect, but I thought it was interesting. And during it... There's a bit where um, Jonathan Larson in the film, and I don't know whether this is true in real life, but I imagine it is true, 
was um, workshopping new material with um, with other writers for musical theatre, and it made me think, bloody hell, I miss mm-hmm. uh, workshopping a lot, and specifically not workshopping of we're going to sit down and do some exercises, workshopping of critiquing yeah. and workshopping mm-hmm. of sharing stuff you've been working on. Um, I used to, um, and still technically am, be in a workshop where we did up till up till March 2020 uh, monthly um, monthly sessions where we sat down shared shared writing everybody shared in advance we sat down and talked about it um, and gave critique and that was really important then um, and we kind of haven't quite carried it on through COVID so I am looking to either restart that or more likely but probably start something afresh in terms of workshopping um moving forward and i think that is not directly a writing thing but a thing that hopefully leads into more writing either from me or from other people so i think that would that is kind of my resolution that's the thing i'm toying with right now is i think i need a critique workshop and i think maybe it needs to be a new one let us know i'd be well up yeah me too yeah me too me too um yeah i during the pandemic i signed up for a course about writing kind of fantastical fiction so magic realism Mm. not quite hardcore fantasy but kind of folkloric stuff Mm. and things like that and we kind of all got on so well on this online course that we've just started meeting as a online as a group and it's it has been so good for my writing not least because they're all such fucking brilliant writers and they're all (laughs) lovely people and they're all really interesting and I just want to impress them. That's yeah. so good. Like I am just writing to impress them Yay. now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's really fucking good. So this is, it's more, uh, it's, it's it's fiction and prose rather than poetry. Um, so mm. it's making me up my game on that. And that is, that has been That's fantastic. Cool. It's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, um, I think workshopping, I've missed it. And I think mm. uh, Omicron permitting that it needs to be, needs to be in a real live space. Anyway. We'll yes. come back to that. In the meantime, shall we do an interview? Let's do an interview. This month's interview is with Pete Bearder. Pete Bearder is an award-winning spoken word poet, author and comic. His work has been featured on BBC Radio 4, The World Service and Newsnight. He is the former National Poetry Slam champion and has performed around the world with organisations such as the British Council. His first collection of poetry was published by Burning Eye Books in 2016. Pete worked to pioneer spoken word education within the MA Writer-Teacher Programme at Goldsmiths College. He has published papers for the English and Education Journal, the National Association of Writers in Education and the National Association of Teachers of English. His groundbreaking book on the history, science and art of live literature, stage invasion, poetry and the spoken word renaissance was published in 2019. And this year he is touring with a show based on the book. Thank you very much for joining Hello, us. Hello, lovely to meet you all. <laughs> lovely to be part of this. Thank you for having me. Yay. On the Dead Darlings podcast. <laughs> and won't we all soon? Won't we all? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were wondering if you could kick us off by sharing a poem with our listeners. Okay, here's the nearest Word document to hand. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's on my recent documents of my Word, so I'm just going to throw this at you, out to you. This is a uh, cosmic status update. I don't know whether I'll get through the whole one. Um <clears throat> This I've, I've started doing with my harpist, and next year I'm going to be touring um, uh, ecstatic devotional 
um, poetry with a harpist, uh, with an orchestral harp around the country. We're working on an album and I'm super excited. Mm -hmm. Turns out that um, we've been doing this for thousands of years, poetry and harps, and it's mm -hmm. just a winning combination. As many, many poets will know that it's very difficult to get that kind of balance between music and, and soundscape mm -hmm. when you when you, you have a musical accompaniment. Uh, turns out harps, harps are beautiful. You can just throw anything uh -huh. into that river and it will float and swim along. Um, this is a little thing that I did. We, we, we scratched our show in, a, in someone's garage on Saturday. This is a little poem from that. Good afternoon, my name is Martin. I am your train driver for this afternoon. I am a monkey, I am a monkey, I am a monkey clinging to a ball of encrusted magma. I'm spiralling through deep space for no apparent reason, no apparent reason. There is a buffet service at the back of Coach <laughs> F. Hello, my name is Sandra. I work in accounts. I am a risen phoenix of atomic dust, but I'd like to move over to payroll before I die. I die, I die. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. An elaborate population of microorganisms. I'll have some shortbread and a Jaffa cake, please. Sometimes <laughs> my mind is a churning silence, a churning, a churning, a churning silence. My mind is a fruit machine. My mind is a fruit machine. Lovely to meet you. I was branch secretary for four years and chair of Wallingford branch for another seven. For the last 47 years, I've been a largely non-existent field of wave potentials. Wave potentials. The Wi-Fi here is... Ugh. Meet my friend, <laughs> the sentient node of the sprawling unsayable. His name is Alexander the Grain Inspector. He works in logistics. Logistics, logistics. Hello, I'm Sid. A dance of matter and mathematics. Hello, I'm Amy. An elaborate conflagration of bacteria. Hello, I'm Bob. A deathless murmuration of nanoparticles. This is my sister. Another valid phenomena of deep space. And my pet. A mutating polyp of solar radiation. Well, you're looking good for your age. Thank you. I'm an estimated 13.8 billion years old. Years old years old, though many suspect I'm eternal. Is that a new dress? Hi, I'm a brief dissipative chuckle, a fluttering moment of consciousness, an electromagnetic energy cluster and I'm mostly made of nothing. I am mostly made of nothing, but I do have 7,000 followers on Instagram. 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 <laughs> You may recognise me from the gossiping winds. You may recognise me from the cackling fire. Find me under your boot heels, my fellow. The earth infused with fungus is the theatre of my dreams. The earth infused with fungus is the theatre of my dreams. My thoughts meander as billowing clouds. My feelings ripple through you while you sleep. Me again, just another monkey, me again, ricocheting through history, paternity, maternity, paternity, maternity, just another monkey, just another monkey, still surfing through the galaxy, just another, just another, just another, celestial joy train of cosmic play, just another, just another, just another, just another, power ranger of the psychic hinterland, just another, just another, fractal emanation of cosmic imagination, just another, just another, sniggering agent of God's potential, just another, close relative of fungus, actually, just another neighbour of yours, I believe we met before, was it in the mind, the mind, the mind is a fruit machine, the mind is a fruit machine, the mind really into compost, fruit machine, fruit machine, my mind is a fruit machine, just another, just another, fruit machine, fruit machine, Machine. Just another, just another. Next and final stop. All change, please. All change. Woo! <laughs> awesome. Thank that you. Was awesome. And breathe. Yeah. <laughs>
I've got a bit weird since I last saw you, Anna. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you weren't that normal to start with, but yeah, no, that's that stepped it up a gear. Shoot. That's kind of you to say. So the first question we ask um, our interviewees, uh, basically a standard because everyone has a different approach. How did you first get into poetry? What did you find? What drew you to it? What nights were your roots in? Yeah, I went to a slam that Steve Larkin put on, the founder of Hammer and Tongue in Oxford, and uh, saw him perform. And I think I saw uh, Taylor Marley, who was visiting from the States, and I saw all these poets. And I just like, I realised I'd walked into the belly of some seething underground kind of hip hop, <laughs> kind of inflected, kind of like there was sort of a it was in a basement of the Zodiac Club as it was in called in Oxford it was like some grimy kind of like dark uh, baseline hip hop kind of like infused like cellar and mm-hmm. I was just like walking into this kind of subculture and this little this art form of people doing this thing called spoken word and slam and I'm like wow I found something I found my tribe and I found this art form that was engaging me physically and emotionally and intellectually and vocally and it was asking me to stamp my feet and clap my hands and do the call and response and it was also like it was also I was being becoming enculturated to a, a political movement as well mm. when people were doing poems about direct action politics and environmental activism and through poetry I got into to uh, environmental activism through that conversation and um, and found wow. uh, found a vehicle to be young and angry and idealistic it was that way around. That was in 2005, I think, 2006. Well, um, well, I found a, I found a new way to, to, to be opinionated and righteous, <laughs> basically. <Yeah. laughs> it really was that. I think that's how most people get into poetry, right? right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the prerogative of the young, right? To be angry and to, to rant. That's fair enough. There's a lot to fucking rant about. Because that was going to be one of... Yeah, another question was that... I've, I've bumped into you at demos I've lost track of how many times um, including one notably outside Nick Clegg's house but I, I kind of assumed that you started from an activist base and then found poetry as a medium to talk about it how how do those two worlds interact for you? So I did, I was an activist before I was a poet and uh, yeah, and, and I guess like just following on what I was saying to Laurie I mean, it was like um, uh, I found a new way to articulate difficult things mm. where I could incorporate mm. comedy so it became closer to to ancient Greek um, rhetoric in that you were employing all of the I mean the, the distinction between poetry and 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 prose and poetry and and and, and um, uh, debate and uh, art and even theater and and, and stand-up comedy and um, Judas prudence uh, and, and and political debate these were very blurred in ancient Greece because you know, there was this this and that is the original academic discipline by the way the oldest academic discipline from the first ever first ever universities in ancient Greece uh, at least certainly in, in Europe uh, the oldest subject is rhetoric the art of speech persuasive speech making uh, so I, even though it was the birth you know academic was grew out of literacy the first subject was how to speak persuasively. It was absolutely fundamental. And they knew then that the best speech makers were, the, were also poets and and uh, they were witty and they knew how to, to engage a crowd because that was how you mm. published words. Um, mm. you, you, you did it in, in amphitheatres. 
Um, yeah. So I guess I guess I found a new way to oh I don't have to just build persuasive arguments and talk about how many people have, have died in Colombia due to the paramilitary uh, 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 massacre. I, I can I can actually do it in a way that maybe is gonna yeah Feely thinks Feely thinks <laughs> Feely thinks <laughs> wow. And and when did kind of the the Pete the Temp persona first kind of arrive on the scene? Was that I'm also interested when people decide to kind of separate their their work out from their own name and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I I was I was um I was singing I was singing like writing songs and, and performing them before I was a, before I was a poet and I had a song called the Temp Song, which is a satirical song, silly song about being a temp, an office temp. And mm. um, and and lots of people knew me for that song. So I, I, when I got on stage, they're like, "What's your name?" I just mm. said, I'm, "I'm Pete the Temp." <laughs> uh, and just thought I'd just run with that for a little. I didn't think it then become like my defining kind of nomenclature <laughs> for like the next two decades um, in the way that it has. Uh, and then and then I went out and then I went out to subsequently then went out to um, to Colombia and I was working as a human rights observer and. And suddenly that name deepened because it was like I I was there were entire industries that were being privatized and people were losing their uh, they were being turned into temps overnight. Mm. Literally tens of thousands of people overnight would be turned into temps. So because this realization that that the logic of uh, of modern capitalism is trying to trivialize and casualize Mm. everybody and make them precarious. Mm. And we are all becoming the precariat we're all on short term zero you know that it wants to put us all on short term zero hour contracts it wants us all to mm. work on its terms on the on the terms of the elite so it became the sub- subcontracted worker then was like actually this silly name actually like now is is like international subcontracted worker solidarity and wow. that is a story in itself and i really believe in that so i kept it and then mm. and then now i'm 40 years old and it's 15 years have passed or whatever and i'm like oh, do i really want this name still <laughs> um, <laughs> But I've kept it, and um, uh, partly just because it sticks in people's heads, it's kind of handy, and you know, blah, and I still kind of believe in it. But I'm kind of I'm in tra- I'm in transition. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, moving I'm from pe- no, the the I'm Pete the temp beard. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're giving okay. yourself a permanent contract, and I don't always. Yeah. I, I I usually like refrain from telling people just off the bat. Unless it's a bit more of a deeper discussion, because you risk sounding like a wanker. It's like, yeah, I was doing human rights work in Colombia. It's like, but also, <laughs> also like, you, why give it away? Every you know, your name is a poem, and yeah. uh, and, and yeah. what does it mean? Maybe it means the impermanence of life. Maybe it can mean that. Different people think it means different things. Pete the tempo, Pete the tempest, you know, whatever, whatever you want. Nice. When I first heard it, yelled out at, um, I think it was forget what you heard. You you headlined a few years ago oh, yes. and Matt. Shouting out, it's Pete the Temp. I was like, nobody's ever introduced a temp like that before. <laughs> this is going to be a good temp. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good way to not take yourself too seriously. I like that. Stage names, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. life is absurd and we're all going to be dead. So, you know, uh, if you are going to have a, a stage name, that's what I like about it. The sense of humour that exists in spoken word is really, is really, mm. it's really good, really healthy. And, mm-hmm. and and maybe people are not giving themselves stage names as much as they used to so much now. It's becoming a little bit more pagey and a bit more respectable and a bit more gallery and a bit more theatre. Maybe mm-hmm. some stage names and personas uh, are actually quite a healthy thing because maybe I think I think maybe as an art form we've started taking ourselves a bit too seriously. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Hannah, what are your thoughts on that? You, <laughs> you use a, you use a, a pseudonym. Um, I mean, my, my government name is a double-barreled 70s feminist monstrosity that my parents created, and I always have to choose half when I go for a job because my <laughs> emails won't come through if it's your full name and your email address because just no one can spell it. So genuinely, I was just desperate to shed that one anyway. <laughs> um, but no, actually, I, I really quite like mm-hmm. that because because my real life name is unique and therefore Googleable. Um, it is really nice to have a bit of difference between me mouthing off on a stage and day job Separate and paychecks and HR departments. <laughs> um, so I think it's healthy and smart just for just for like. Yeah. freeing up yeah but on the other hand if my name was john smith i maybe wouldn't need to like create a new identity to hide because you've just got more stuff around yeah no i i think it's a good for sure <laughs> it's got a lot of uses um and it can demonstrate a bit of it's a great name it's one of my favorite words Ditto. What, <laughs> Hannah? <laughs> uh, no, Putzba always felt like a bit of an in-joke to me. I was watching Elmo in Grouchland at the cinema, and at one point Elmo described himself as having Putzba, and I was like, <gasps> you dish in-joke, like that word, like that word. So, um, yeah, the fact that I... That was it. I, that was the moment. Elmo in Grouchland. That was... <laughs> You've never told us this origin story before. Yeah, I, no, I just always loved the word. I, like, I've all... never associated you with Elmo before, but I totally see it. No, no, no. More, more. Someone's much... getting a tickle me Elmo for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> much, much more Oscar, but but just generally, like, yeah, New York Jewish, one half of the family, and I've always kind of felt like a bit of an expat, even though I was born here. Um, but yeah, no, all all the Yiddish stuff feels like a cozy in joke, let alone the one that means smart Alec. Back to the kind of this this idea of like the scene taking itself seriously, and that's why fewer people have names. I wonder if there's also just a bit of like. I feel like people saying that they are into poetry used to be a little bit more embarrassing and weird or people would react differently. Mm. I think now we're seeing the scene on kind of a little bit more of a kind of mainstream footing. Maybe people don't feel like they have to kind of just do it under a different name in case someone sees. I don't know. Does that... Yeah, maybe. It's all it's all of the above, you know. It's a million different... You know, that word is, is a million different things to a million different people and a million different things you know even within a single day it's like what do you do I'm a poet or maybe I'm a spoken word artist or maybe yeah. I'm a gobshite or maybe <laughs> I'm a writer and performer do you know what I mean it's like because mm. uh, mm. we're dealing with language yeah. and um, when we're talking about language you're talking about power and we're talking mm. about status and we're talking about um mm, the access to have the time and the space in order to dwell in language and to, to do it for its own sake. So it's it's so political. You know, what is poetic? What is valid language for poetry? Who gets to do poetry? Mm. Is that even what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, it's mm. like, uh, so it's interesting, all the different territories that we build around uh, this yeah. art form with words. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting reading Stage Invasion, which I read last year oh. and loved Pete. Laurie <laughs> um, borrowed my copy just, and wrote all over it. I remember it. just being struck within the... Yeah, full disclosure, <laughs> I borrowed the one you signed for Hannah about two years ago, and hey. I you're going to have to sign another one for Hannah. <laughs> I, just, I made so many like just scrolls and underlines 
like throughout it because I just kept finding stuff that was just like that is so interesting and I haven't thought about things that way mm. and it's a lot of the stuff you, you talk about you know um how yeah writing is power and 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 specifically writing rather than you know speaking poetry and and how um how for so long obviously poems did you know writing a poem wasn't a thing like list poems didn't exist before writing was one of the points you made in the book which i something like that i was just like where how did you make begin to start making those connections i mean it's yeah i mean it's an extraordinary book yeah yeah and that's only scratching the surface of um uh, of the study of the oral tradition which has only been scratching the surface since the 1960s and it's vast unexplored territory still really and and, and it's as long as history and, and it's as big as as, as the human race uh, and it's deeply deeply fascinating all of that yeah the oral tradition and we, uh, we and we can go further into that you know the spoken word itself as, a, as an emanation of a literate society can go further into the oral tradition into sound poetry vocal art avant-garde um, incantation religious you know shamanic driving uh, theatrics um, musicality humor dress I mean like the human voice you know very often I think we're still operating within a very narrow paradigm of how we publish uh, and what is considered acceptable to be a a poem and Mm. I'd really love love for spoken word to be a space where that can continue to be blown open slam you know literature as a a game as a competition you know like that was a great innovation Um, it's not so novel anymore like what what, what next what else can we do spoken word theatre brilliant you know Mm. uh, hip hop, you know, the rhythmic vitality, all these things like, uh, what next? What next? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the moment with with stage invasion where you were like, actually, all of these thoughts I'm having, this needs this needs to be a book. This is a piece of academic research. Oh. You know, where, where did the book start? Where did the book come from? I, was, I, I went to, I took a sabbatical. I was I was working my ass off as a as a spoken word educator in London, and, and I burnt out. And I went I, I went on holiday to Germany, and I found a busker, and she's like, yeah, I got, this is me. I'm, I just stand on the street, decide when I get out of bed, decide when I go home, decide how many days I work. Well, I'm going to do that. And I went off and I went to become a street entertainer in Berlin and had lots of time uh, on my own uh, to read and, and listen to to YouTube lectures and things like that. And then I got back and I was in a boat. I remember the moment. I was, it was nighttime. I was in central uh, Bristol in, on a boat and in a candle lit next to the water and a swan went past and I went I could write a book of I've, I've got so much information here I can write I know that's what I'm going to do and it's going to be about it's about my art form that I practice and then, and I didn't realize it would take me two years and arts council funding and, and all the rest uh-huh. of it and, and, and interviewing 30 30 poets you know um and mm. um it's been a real journey and it now you know now that's this is it was published finally in 2019 and now it's 2021, almost 2022, and I'm still touring it because mm-hmm. COVID happened in the middle. And now I'm realising mm-hmm. that the, the whole conversation around that book has deepened in ways that nobody could mm-hmm. have expected. Because the, the the tour that I'm doing, Homer to Hip Hop, is 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 tagline the post COVID revival tour, and, yeah. and um, it's like, wow, what the fuck just happened there? Uh, what are we going to do now? And and how can yeah. we use, utilize this art form? So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And how do we how do we continue 
with spoken word, you know, how is it going to adapt and carry on and continue? We've had loads of conversations on the on the podcast about that because it's it's what we do. (laughs) Yeah. And it's great that you're having that conversation. Actually, it's really, really good because this is life and death. Let's let's not let's not mess around. This isn't a frivolous or an indulgence. This is life and death. We're living through a mental health epidemic. We're living through a loneliness uh, epidemic, mm. and we're the most uh, atomized and isolated and pathologically individualistic society that has ever existed. Arguably, mm. I think that's a safe at least one of them that's ever existed. And. Um, that one night in that town where you can get up on stage and share the, some words that you've been pouring over for months hmm. that's life and death interesting yeah. so how are you going about in terms of touring it I'm, I'm, your, your London date is next week as of this recording mm. I've got I've got going to go um, I'm excited about it I've been for ages um, but um, one of the things I'm more, most excited about is just how do you take this <laughs> and make it make it into a show yeah uh, how do you approach that um i went to edinburgh and i'm like i'm gonna do a show to come uh-huh. you know uh to to accompany this book and i realized what was alive for me was a history i was like what people i want to tell people a story and what people were really thirsty people would often say oh it's a history book people are in a history book about spoken word and I think there was something in the collective imagination, the collective kind of auto, uh, auto spelling of of the community <laughs> that I was in that was wanting a history book. If anybody's out there and wants to write a history, a proper long actual dedicated history book of spoken word, please, it's crying out to be done. As well as spoken word education, incidentally, uh, it's also mm. crying out to be done. It's written long as uh, pretty much everything else. It's a very discursive book, and it was really a primer in many ways. It's not the first primer, but it, it was a primer within a certain community uh, and a provocation for more disagreement and and, and more books mm. to be written and and. It covers lots of ground, but any take any one of those chapters. But what I realised that was that people really wanted to hear about the history, so that's what I did. I did mm. a history show, a, a radical history, a people's history of spoken word, um, and that seemed to be connect with people quite well. Uh, and 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 what I'm finding at the moment, it's like you, you're with this show, you're pointing at the moon, and you're showing some, you're showing people something ancient and beautiful. And you're also tracing the uh, the light as it shimmers across the sea, and then you you say to people, "Look, this light is falling on your face. We've never faced these challenges, and mm-hmm. and and what are we going what are we going to do with this art form now?" Yeah. And and and, and inviting people to conceive of themselves as part of history unfolding, and because we ha- we live in a world of professional. Uh, politicians and professional historians and digital disconnection and disempowerment we don't often realize and as a historian I've always been really interested in the, in this thought experiment uh, what how is this a historic moment and and just saying this as a little kind of performative experiment when you meet people this is a historic moment four <laughs> poets in the room having a conversation about the future of poetry and language and community artistic communities this is a historic moment and, and and to invite everybody to conceive that every moment of their life is a historic unique confluence of th- through which reality is going to spew like like a divine uh, like like divine gonorrhea <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
What a, I was feeling was a so many, so many deep, beautiful, profound, like gonorrhea. I was Jesus. so lulled into that that uh, by the time that you said gonorrhea, it took me about five seconds to, oh, wow. to really process. Holy, 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 your sphincter, holy, your shit. <laughs> that is uh, 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 Ginsburg. I, th- I think it is, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Holy, I remember holy, it from somewhere. Cock just... and hand and asshole, holy. Patty Smith covered ah, it. Ah, right? yes, holy, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> what did you enjoy most about, about I guess the the book and the, and the tour together? Like, what what has? Cause there's so many interesting. Uh, historic moments you touch on you touch on you talk a lot in the book about kind of the physicality of of poetry and as you were saying a minute ago about it not just being words it is voice and the body and the effect of the poems on on an audience that is you know um, just limitless in potential I guess I having having read the, the book and I haven't seen the show yet but I'm obviously looking forward to is what you have found most interesting or or like learning about yourself in the process of putting it together? Yeah, uh, so I've tried to make it... Um, uh, the show is very physical. It's quite long. You know, it breaks the rules of what a show should be. It's an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 15, 20 minutes. So it's like, it's quite long. Uh, but you can keep an audience there as long as you orchestrate their physiology. So we get people to stand up, we get to do breathing exercises. It's all fun and games, you know. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like yoga, but but essentially it's kind of like incorporating <laughs> breathing exercises and, and physical exercises and call and response and training people's nervous systems to each other. So giving people a, a direct experience of moments of collective ecstasy, of uh, the, the, ecsta- the collective ecstatic tradition of poetry uh, in which you, you become part of a, a, a... you become a body in a body of bodies bodying, as I like to put it. A body in a body of bodies bodying. It's something we're hugely, hugely missing now. Poetry has missed it for, mm-hmm. it's almost forgotten about it. Um, and hip hop didn't, you know, but what calls mm-hmm. itself poetry traditionally in, in the West, um, as a, again, as a, as a tech-centric uh, literate society, uh, European poetic tradition has forgotten that, that, that we are bodies in a body of bodies bodying often um, because it's often there are no other bodies uh, and we're just looking at a page but um, yeah giving people a direct expression experience of that the physicality of language as you say yeah 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 so yeah so you sort of talked a little bit about people really enjoying the history of the book or the history elements of the book have there been any other kind of responses that you found interesting both from within the spoken word community and sort of in academia and other circles um when I was working with Lucy English at Bath Bar University, who's a poet and 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 uh, organizer and um, and has done loads of work over the decades interfacing um, spoken word and, and academia, she edited the book and she was like, "You need to reference everything. You need to reference everything." And I was like, you know, like, okay, uh, the reviewers are going to pull me apart on my referencing because it's you know this is not doesn't this this art form doesn't have a natural home within academia so i'm going to make it really rigorous and it's got 42 pages or something of, of, of bibliography and it's very thoroughly researched it's got you know a, a, a very tightly mm-hmm. referenced um whilst I, and i tried to make something that could be read by a gig going public as well so that it was also mm-hmm. yeah. hopefully enjoyable um but i i was expecting to be attacked 
from uh, uh, from academia but the academic reviews have been good all, all i haven't had like uh, i haven't really been attacked in reviews the reviews have been good the uh, and the the response has been overwhelmingly good and it's really good to see not everybody in spoken word not everybody does want to geek out some people are just doing it and when i was interviewing people you know often the most accomplished and experienced spoken word artists were, were, were the least able to talk about it talking about having a meta conversation about your art form is a, is a skill that not everybody has and not everybody mm. wants to do maybe you don't want to do, you dissect what you're doing it's like explaining a joke sometimes but but yeah. many people are, are chin scratchers or can be um, persuaded to be a chin scratcher and for me that's always mm. been you know from the word go I have always been like, they, and this is my target audience, those people who were like fell in love with an art form and wanted to deepen their understanding and couldn't find anything on the bookshelf. So that was like who I was doing it for. And, and, and then, then, then they're coming to me and they're saying, I found your book and I loved it. And then I've been looking, waiting for this for a long time. And that's like music to my ears because, you know, that was what I, I had to write the book that I never had, basically. Mm. Um, so I, anyway, I was expecting to, for the criticisms to come from academia. But the only the only criticisms I've, I've really heard of, heard of you know, serious criticisms, have come from from poets who, you know, one or two poets who maybe just like they're like, where am I in this? You know, where why aren't I represented? What about my oh, that history? Sounds familiar. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, what, what about the scene in in, in you know in, in Stoke on Trent or whatever it might be? It's yeah. like, uh, uh, and those people generally, you know, uh, uh, full sympathy to them. You know, uh, uh, mm. they generally haven't really read the book or, or, or didn't read the book, which, which said, look, this isn't a who's who and what's what spoken word. And I would never try to do that, and it would be impossible, and it would go out of date within a week. Um, mm. But there is this thing of like, there's so many people who just like, we've I've been fucking slogging away for decades, and I haven't been mentioned, uh, or my scene, or my heroes haven't been mentioned, and it's like. Uh, People, people. It's always going to be incomplete. It is always, it? and people, you know, have been serving their communities and and and, yeah. and, and have been underpaid and you know underappreciated for for many many years doing vital work and for that reason I think people really feel fucking strongly about this shit, really really strongly about mm. it. And also a lot of people, there's a lot of egos as well. A lot of people think that poetry belongs mm. to them, uh, and it does <laughs> in in a way, but just you know, not all of it. <laughs> It's also the... I think we are, you know, running the podcast. We have similar challenges sometimes just to choose deciding or de saying what our kind of purview or kind of scope is because, you know, we started out as a very London-based podcast. Right. We've interviewed now, we've interviewed people, you know, internationally and all sorts, but mm. we're also not experts on every mm. small community in in various different places and, 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 and the london be easily the, yeah the, and the london remit was very deliberate because we were like we don't want to say the uk poetry scene and have someone say well why have you ever been to bristol or why don't mm. you come and cover what's going on in manchester mm. you know yeah. we live inside the m25 and we all have full-time jobs like yeah you know. that's not to say we don't want to yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course i'm sure you had the same with the book you want to cover as much as you can yeah, but yeah, yeah. the book the, the, the book is is most is mostly the england scene as well it touches on yeah. on a little bit outside of that but yeah yeah um the blurb mentions the uk and that, that would be a regret of mine actually i don't think that's fair um because it mentions nothing of, of northern ireland you know uh, for, mm. for one and uh if i was to republish it i think i would take the uk out of that um, because mm. that's not uh, it's not actually really the case with the book. Uh, I mean, there are parallels and you know this shared culture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but uh, people care about this shit, man. You got to be sloppy <laughs> with your geographical 
Okay, so be careful with geography when you're writing your own history. Poets are sensitive people. They're sensitive people, and they're underloved. If there were more people doing the work that you're doing, if if poetry had had more, Mm. the spoken word scene had had more opportunities for gongs, (laughs) then there wouldn't be quite as much pressure, probably, on any one. This has to represent me. Why is my face not on that tea towel? Um, Or what? Whatever the, the tea towel incident, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tea towel, yeah, the, the oh. great spillage, oh, gosh, the many tea battles fought over game. the tea towel. So I've I've seen that. Yeah. See, I've seen the tea towel for a few years ago. But what is what is tea towel gate? I'm not, I, I, I don't aware of, know. Like, that it, was, it was that controversial. I, w- I would guess that some some people were pissed to be not on it. And fair dues, but also it's made by one guy who also draws. Blood has been spilt. <laughs> Blood has been spilt all over the tea towel, man. Yeah. Lovers have been torn apart. Families have been ripped asunder. All for the, all to have seen. their face on a tea towel. I mean, my brother's still pissed. And that to be my fair, that was, was what it was like in primary school too. Yeah, I, my face was the most prominent bang in the middle of the Martin's infant school tea towel, circa early nineties. And my brother's still pissed about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. wow, gotta let that go. Gotta let that go. But accepting that you can't possibly speak for the whole scene and and all of its history, yeah. you have been performing for around fifteen years. Uh-huh. Uh, and how have in your experience, how has the UK scene kind of changed and evolved since you started out? Do you think? Okay, I mean, the first thing to say is I come with my own set of privileges and blind and blind sides. Mm. I can't know or claim to know. Uh, I can only I can only say what I've seen and where I've been. Hmm. Uh, what I have seen, I believe, is a a loss of what Russell Thompson calls the experimental edge mm. of spoken word. Um, yeah. I remember more sketch comedy and props and costumes and silly names and um, the willingness to, to just... I don't, I don't know, like... Um, uh, that's been the main thing is that now you're getting spoken word in in galleries and uh, and theatres which is which is opening up in some respects and closing down in others and uh, and it matters it matters where it's happening mm. and it matters who's in the room um because if you're mm. in a gallery and you can and you jump on a on a chair and wave your arm around and say hey repeat after me everyone people are going to look at you and be like what the <laughs> fuck are you doing <laughs> like genuinely like what are you doing uh, it, you know, so so what happens when you do the same poem in a in a grimy punk basement with with piss and beer yeah, on the floor? <laughs> the, these things um, do influence, and and also we've seen you know like people it's become a thing now to to have your book published by a publisher, and not beyond the remit of what it of what of what it is to be a spoken word artist. You've also got spoken word theatre. So you've got all these mutations, um, but but for me, one of the things it's lost is some of the experimental edge and some of the caro- uh, cabaret vibe that that mm. really drew me to it, which is this kind of like anything goes, performative. Uh, it's gonna, it's a hybridity of uh, of, of stand up and theatre and and music and spoken word and rap and and all of those things yeah. and, and and more and, and poetry and you know it's all kind of this this thing and I, I and and I lament sometimes I. I lament how good the poetry is. It makes me sad. I go there and it's like a brilliant mm. poem, but I'm just not. 
I'm not really really feeling this as as a performance discipline. I feel like mm. I feel like someone's reading from a page and then telling me a really well written book, and that's not always what's what, what's. I mean, sometimes that's great and that, that's okay, and it still can be a great performance. Um, uh, but then you might go into some unlicensed venue and see some guy, you know, like walk into a squat and see somebody just like doing something completely other and it's so refreshing and they're bouncing around the stage with a wig on and a, and a red nose and doing kind of like spoken word which is also kind of like absurdist theatre and it's like and you don't really know how to classify it and I think if you don't know if, yeah. if you if you, you, you stood by the side of the stage and after the gig you're like what even was that how can you categorise <laughs> that that's when you know that's the gold that's the uh-huh. gold that's when you know you're onto something that's what I want to see Yeah. Um, and and, I mean jumping off from that you know where do you think that it's going in the future are we going to see more of this kind of sort of professionalised homogeneity or or, it's always difficult to ask people to take a punt on the future but (laughs) yeah I mean I've said partly as a provocation and also as a prediction that we're entering the the post spoken word era because many of us and I include myself in this you know are abandoning the term spoken word artist because poetry has been remade and that's a good thing and it's a bad thing um, but 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 I, I suspect we might be forgetting uh, as we have this um, convergence of two art worlds the page and the stage and now those dichot- dichotomies no longer really exist but there's an asymmetry to this to this convergence because the, the page world um, is older and uh, is spread across hundreds of uh, English literature uh, departments and um, uh, and creative writing departments, and has much more institutional and financial backing and publishing houses, uh, and and uh, spoken word is all is still really kind of an emerging backroom of a pub kind of semi-professional mm. kind of thing that people are mm. doing outside of their day job, right? So uh, you're going to get uh, an absorption and a co-option. In when that happens, mm. and and the risk is that we forget that poetry is is and always has been a spoken a a, um, a performing art, and mm. and an underground, slightly edgy, politicised and experimental space. Uh, that so mm. so yeah, are we entering this post spoken word era as we start to go to Arvon retreats and publish books? Um, maybe we are. Maybe that's a necessary maturation. I don't. I don't know really. I mean, I'm. I'm also embodying these contradictions. I, you know, I, I go to writing mm. retreats sometimes, mm. and I, I, I publish books, and and I did a creative writing degree. So in some respects, that mm. you know, that that kind of my own journey was like, uh, okay, well, I want to complexify. I want to complexify. I want to go into the page and chew my way through the canon, and that and that's fine. That's great. But but what about going the other way? Because like, it's just as complex if you mm. go into the tradition of poetry as a spoken word. One of the interesting things in my research recently has been the avant-garde tradition of experimental sound poetry, and that's like hundreds mm. of years old, if not as old as humanity itself, and hugely vast and varied and, 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 and complex and, and exciting. And if anybody is interested in that, by the way, if you go on to my Pete the Temp YouTube channel, I think you'll find a playlist. One of my playlists is is sound poetry uh, uh, that I've compiled and and, um, uh, uh, you can dip in and out of that and and just see why one if you want to. (laughs) Amazing. I'll make sure to pop that in the show notes so people can people can. Yeah, you might want to you might want to get find the link or I can send you the link. But otherwise it'll be on Pete the Temp. Yeah, yeah. 
Brilliant. Um, uh, yeah, so just before we finish up, um, one thing we're trying to ask more people is, uh, do you have a tip, a prompt or a piece of poetry advice for our listeners? <laughs> no. Uh, people always uh, people always say, just write, just write, go out and it's okay and be your... And, and that that is true. Uh, although I've heard that said so many times. I think I always used to say that. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to say... Um, spend lots of time in trees be kind to yourself and there's many one of the, one of the uh, but, but, but especially poets you know because because we're a lonely breed and and and, <laughs> and 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 perhaps more acutely uh, sensitive to and affected by and especially by brothers and sisters who are self-employed or are just alone again with their notepad we are living through a mental health epidemic. So that would be the best advice I give, could give is be kind to yourself, love yourself and spend time with trees. <laughs> awesome. Brilliant. Thanks, Pete. Is there anything you want to plug before you leave? Um, uh, I'm just about to go to Thailand for three months to write a book about laughter. When I come back, I'm going to continue to tour Homer to Hip Hop, A People's History of Spoken Word. There'll be dates happening in the spring all over the country. And then in 2022, I'm going to be touring with uh, Emmy the Harp, and we're going to be doing ecstatic devotional poetry and bringing absurdity and comedy and spoken word and all of the stagecraft that this art form has given to me and uh, uh, funneling it through the last um, two millennia of uh, devotional verse from many different mystic traditions around the world. And I invite you to come and be part of that wherever I might find myself doing that. I invite you, you to do that tomorrow. I want to hear it now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining Lovely us, Pete. To Thank see you, so much. Hannah, Rebecca, and Laurie, and everybody listening. Goodbye, baby. This month's book is Kanto and Othered Poems by Joelle Taylor and chosen by Hannah. Hannah, why did you choose this book? Um, this book. Uh, is currently sh- shortlisted for the T.S. Eliot Poetry Prize, which is, I think, Ooh. I think at the time of recording, it's this weekend <laughs> that that will be awarded. So maybe the winner of the T.S. Eliot mm-hmm. Poetry Prize. Um, I absolutely love Joelle Taylor's stuff, and also she is a a huge force and an enthuser and educator and promoter within the poetry scene so between the fact that Mm. i like joelle has this like really pivotal role in spoken word and this is the latest book that i wanted to read anyway and it's currently up for a big poetry prize it seemed like all the stars were aligning um and this is the first time i think on the dead darlings podcast that we've reviewed two books by the same person previously we've doubled it we have ah. and i 100 percent stand by joelle being the first person that we do that with um yeah Sorry. so it's it's uh, on the cover it says c plus n t o and othered poems um a a kanto is a real word um and uh, but a lot of people have been very coy about calling <laughs> calling it what it is, including apparently Gadio Digital Radio Station. They wouldn't say the name of the book on the air. Um, so 
Gadio, no, what you, are you, you doing? Will get, you will get no such coyness from the cunts at Dead yeah. Darlings. <laughs> no. Um, that won't One be of my favourite uh, words. We don't shy away. Cut, 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 cut. Um, <laughs> One of the oldest words in the English language still in use today. If this was This American Life, this would be the point where, as Ira Glass, I would be saying, if you'd like a beeped version of the show, you can get one on our website. <laughs> I mean, listen, I aspire to be Ira Glass in many ways, but I'll, I'll keep my swearing, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's about... So Joel is queer, and it is about um, queer life. It's kind of a memorial to a lot of lost friends and lost spaces as well. Um, it lists huge numbers mm. of gay venues that have shut. In, like, there's there's basically... No that was a taster for our book club mini episode, which will be out later this month, wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for the notice board, where we spotlight 10 or so opportunities to look out for where you can perform your work or submit it for publication, and also just stuff we think is cool. Rebecca, what have you got for us this month? Uh, I've got the Outspoken Poetry Prize for 2022 is now open. Yes. And so what I love about the Outspoken Prize is, uh, Mm -hmm. apart from the excellent pun name, um, I do like a good pun. And also Um, the fact that Joelle Taylor is involved in Outspoken Press. Oh, I didn't know that. Ah, Yeah, she runs it with um, Anthony Mm -hmm. Nexgaru. That is is a poetry power deal. But what I really love about them is they have three categories. They've got page poetry, performance poetry and poetry and film, which I think is is a really nice way of kind of, yeah, acknowledging everybody in the scene and, and, you know, acknowledging different different skills. So, yeah, so they get a a winner from each category and then there's an overall prize for poetry given to one of the three winners, which gets £700. (laughs) The deadline for entries is the 28th of February 2022 and the awards ceremony, which you have to be able to go to, is the Thursday the 21st of April um, at the Southbank Centre and for the performance poetry one, they actually have a slam on the night to decide the winner. Um, Nice. Yeah, and that costs £5 to enter. If you just go to the Outspoken Poetry website or search for Outspoken Poetry Prize, that'll come up. And uh, yeah. Um, so next up, uh, we've been speaking about the T.S. Eliot Prize. Uh, we've got the T.S. Eliot Prize readings um, are going to be this weekend. Uh, and I believe that is when the the, um, the winner is also decided, announced or decided. Uh, that's seven o'clock mm-hmm. at Royal Festival Hall in London. Uh, it's 12 to 15 pounds to attend. It is also available as a live stream, though. Uh, so from the 9th to 16th of January at seven o'clock. And that is the readings from all 10 nominees, including, as we've said, Joelle Taylor. What date is the reading, Rebecca? Uh, So the main one is the Sunday 9th of January coming up. And then we've got the Rialto Nature and Place Poetry Competition 2022, which is uh, Rialto in association with RSPB, BirdLife International, Cambridge Conservation Initiative and the University of Leeds Poetry Centre. So that's poems are invited that deal with any aspect of nature and place. uh, And they're given a very wide interpretation, apparently, by Judge Gillian Clark. Um, The closing date is the 1st of March and there's a £1,000 prize. Uh, Second prize is 500 and third prize is 250. So not bad. We've also got uh, Butcher's Dog magazine. It's a twice yearly poetry magazine. Spring submissions for issue 17 are open. Deadline is uh, 31st of January and it's poets based in the UK. Each issue uh, includes some authors who share a connection to Northern England or whose poems explore the North thematically or tangentially, but 
that doesn't mean that's only what they're looking for. Um, they publish a strong mix of work and uh, authors from all over. They just say great poetry is what they're looking for. Uh, they read your work anonymously and publish established authors alongside previously unpublished and emerging voices. That's free for up to three poems. They do have a tip jar. But yeah, search for Butcher's Dog magazine for that. Hannah, what have you got for us? I, I've got two. Have, we've mentioned Anthony Anaxaguru earlier. I've got... He is a judge on two of the things on my list. Um, there is the new Poets <laughs> Prize. Busy man. He, there is the new Poets Prize, uh, which is for people aged 17 to 24. Um, the deadline is the 1st of March, midnight, on Tuesday the 1st of March. Um, and it's for a short collection of 12 pages of poems. And the... Uh, four winners will get a year of support and mentoring from Poetry Business, um, which looks like a really, really awesome prize. If you are one of those yeah. young whippersnappers who fits that definition, uh, if you go to poetrybusiness.co.uk forward slash competitions forward slash new hyphen poets hyphen prize, poetrybusiness.co.uk to get that. Um, also, um, Anthony Anaxaguru is also the judge on the Curtis Brown Creative New Beginnings Poetry Competition, where the uh, winner will get £500 and also a... I don't think there's an age limit on this one. Uh, the winner will get £500 and a free place on their six-week online poetry writing course. Um, so again, a bit of coaching as well as winning the thing. Um, there is a letter called Keep Festivals Hybrid which is really interesting mm -hmm. and has been signed by 400 people including like some disability activist uh, people and a number of poets we know and I think something like the Society of Authors um, because it's a Google Doc I am not going to read out the long-winded Wi-Fi password string of letters and numbers but if we can link it somewhere um yeah we will share that on our social media um, so but i think that is a really interesting one because obviously so many things have grown over um over the course of this time so laurie what have you got for us i've got a few things um the first one is not actually a january thing it's a pre-plug for march but tickets are definitely going to sell out for this um it's jake wilds hall's birthday gig um, which is going to be on the 24th of March at the Jago in Dalston. It's pay what you want, suggested donation of £10, but to be honest with you, £10 is an absolute steal for this yeah. lineup, right? Are you ready for this lineup? Because I'm going to go through the whole, go for whole it, lineup. Go for it, because it's so the, fucking good. The it's lineup worth it, guys. is Amy Aker, Mandisa Rapina, Joel Orterson, Harry Baker, Iris Colomb, a little poet called Rebecca Cooney, who I've not heard of before. <laughs> the Last Dinosaur, Rick Dove, Kai Draper, a little poet called Me, who I've never heard of before. <laughs> Caleb Femi, Maria Ferguson, Kat Francois, Gecko, Anne Gill, Selena Godden, Kate B. Hall, Lucy Hall, Josh Judson, Anna Khan, Aaron Kent, Antonia Jade King, Chris Lanyon, Late Kid, Tyrone Lewis, Alex and Caleb Max, Boyega Rodabanjo, Repeat Beat Poet, Carl Queensborough, Yomi Sode, Spike Zephaniah Stevenson, Joelle Taylor, Daisy Thurston Ghent, Celeste Vizi, Phoebe Wagner, Harry Wills, and Tanika Yearwood. Mate, I sort of feel like I've been invited to the Poetry Oscars. <laughs> it is so unbelievable. Cool. It's going to be so fucking cool. This has been in the making, this lineup, for 
I mean, Jake asked me about it like a year and a half ago. He asked me a few months ago and I completely forgot. So he just started tweeting <laughs> about it recently. He's like, Rebecca Cooney's going to be there. I was like, am I? Uh, am I? Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah, cool. all right. Cool. <laughs> so if you want to see all those poets in one two building at one time, which includes forward, <laughs> two thirds of the dead darlings, forward, forward poetry prize winners, Joelle Taylor, who's nominated for the T.S. Eliot Prize and all that other goodness. <laughs> There's only one place to be on the 24th of March. So if you want a ticket, you need There's to Google um, Jake's 30th birthday gig, put it on Eventbrite. Maybe less. It might not even be that I think now. It's less anyway. Than that last time, yeah, last time I looked. Anyway, but, you yeah, want to snap them up because you want to get on that, right? And if you if you're not on that, see if you can get a hold of Jake somehow and get a ticket by begging, borrow, or stealing, because it's going to be a good one. Okay, that's my main one. Uh, the Ginkgo Poetry Prize is a poetry prize which anyone can enter with any poem written in the English language. This year it's going to be judged by author and poet Camille T. Dungy, poet and naturalist Anna Selby, and activist and writer Sarah Hudson. Sarah Hudson? Apologies to Sarah, or Sarah, because I have I don't know how that name is, so uh, I apologise in advance if I've got that wrong. Ginkgo Poetry Prize is an eco-poetry prize, and they're looking for poems that engage with the climate crisis, words that ignite the, our global conscience. The poems can be any length and follow any form, but if I were you, just a little top tip, don't send a 500-page epic. I don't think it's going to win. Uh, that closes on the 31st of January, and you can find out more at ginkoprize.com, which is G-I-N-K-G-O prize.com. Finally, from me, it's the Creative Writing Breakfast Club, which is an online workshop every Sunday at 10 a.m. with my good pal and fellow Laurie, Laurie Bolger. <laughs> the tickets are always £12, um, and you can find out more by searching Creative Writing Breakfast Club on Eventbrite. But before we do that, uh, we've got a quick announcement to make uh, because I'm so fucking excited. So next month... We're previewing our guests for next month. We We don't do that. We don't normally do that, but I'm quite excited this person's going to be on our show. So we've got Selena Godden coming on the show next month. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, So this is to coincide with uh, the paperback release of her novel, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. But don't worry, we will make sure there is plenty of poetry goodness in there. Um, So yeah. I think we should add that guys we've just had Malaka Kagode we've got Pete Bearder on this episode yeah. and we've got Selena Godden next episode we are bringing you great poetry at the moment I mean in fairness we've always been bringing you great poetry we've always been bringing you great poetry all of our excited. guests have been we're now bringing you great poetry yeah, I mean, this... that your folks might have heard of as well <laughs> right right and, and... Honestly, the idea of starting out. this show was just, I can get people I admire and make them tell me their secrets. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that is the ethos that, that, that we will be continuing. And somehow you ended up with me and Hannah as co-hosts. <laughs> no, all our guests are brilliant and we love them all, obviously. Yeah, And obviously I admire you guys. You just make me laugh a lot as well. Uh, so And cry. <laughs> <laughs> Only occasionally. Um, Laurie, do you have anything you want to plug? Sure. If you want to follow me, I live near Shepherd's Bush. No, um, you can find out more about me and my work on Facebook and Instagram at Laurie Eves Poet or on Twitter at Mr. Leaves. My book Biceps is out on Burning Eye Books or in brick red cassette form on Buried Vinyl. You can pick up both versions from my website, which is laurieeves.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E-E-A-V-E-S.com. And you can also stream the audio wherever you stream audio. 
Uh, I am Hannah Chutzpah, C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H. I keep the spelling simple and easy. Um, you can find me under that name on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yada yada. I have finally set up an online store for my book, Permeable, which was published by Burning Eye Books quite a few years ago. In 2016? Something like that. 2018? Anyway, um, I have ADHD. It takes me ages to get around to shit, even important shit, but um, that is up. You can buy it. You built my website in that time. I (laughs) know. I have no answers. Um, only a note from my doctor but you can now purchase it it is online um, and my website is hannahutzpah.com um, and go to the shop section 5th anniversary edition baby <laughs> yeah all that uh, also uh, I am the host of Insight uh, spelt as in inciting a riot um, which is an LGBT poetry night which is currently online we are looking to move some things to in person um but the next one is going Mm. to be on that is last year's calendar bollocks um the next one is coming up soon and if you go to uh if you if you search for insight poetry on facebook you will find all the details um and we have something pretty special in the works for the february edition which is the lgbt history month edition so come come Mm. turn up Mm -hmm. but it is a free night to attend, um, right. but we don't put the Zoom link out in public public because Zoom bombers, so get in touch if you would like a slot and all that jazz. Um, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Rebecca K. Cooney, on TikTok at Rebecca K. Cooney. I did actually put something on TikTok. You TikToked. I did TikTok. I talked ticked. I don't know. I, you talked I, I did a thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's. I put my poem 13 Things Tell a Friend Who's Hurting up there because it's been quite popular during the Yay. pandemic. Uh, it's 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 got a few likes. It's got a few views. It's not gone madly viral or anything, but you know. Uh, it's, so I'm on there. Uh, feel free to say hi. So I'm on Twitter at Rebecca K Cooney, TikTok at Rebecca K Cooney, uh, Facebook as Rebecca Cooney Poet, Instagram any name but Becky, and my website is Rebecca K You can find the podcast on Twitter at Dead Darlings Pod and Instagram under the same handle, Facebook as Dead Darlings Podcast, and you can email us at deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, particularly Apple, I believe it helps, and help us spread the word. Thank you to Pete Bearder for joining us, to my co hosts, Laurie and Hannah, to Texas Radio for our theme music, and to you for listening. Bye. Bye.